This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. sexy sat stackers and welcome to the latest episode of the bitcoin bulletin podcast i know it's only been a day since we had our makeup episode uh since i was late getting to you on our last dca wednesday stack but alas here it is again today wednesday may 3rd 2023 and that means it is once again dca wednesday and time to grow that stack before we do really quick a look at the vital statistics At the time of recording, we are sitting at a Bitcoin block height of 788,175, and Bitcoin is clocking in at a U.S. dollar price of 29,055 U.S. dollars per Bitcoin, or 3,442 sats per dollar. And once again, as I've said over and over again, You know, despite the fact that Bitcoin had a little bit of volatility in the last couple days, we are now right back almost exactly where we were for the last one, two, three, four, five weeks. So more than a month hanging out in the $29,000 range. Uh, You know, we punched through $30,000, I think all the way up to $31,000 in one of the run-ups, but we never really broke that magic number. We never really convincingly broke that $30,000 magic number. Uh, and have been kind of hovering around just below it ever since. So once again, if you zoom out, Bitcoin has been relatively stable, which is what you'd expect right now, because as I said last episode and multiple episodes, and as Adam Meister says all the time in his 210,000 block theory or the four-year cycle theory that we should be repeating 2019 if, uh, if, if history repeats or rhymes, and, you know, the, the old saying isn't necessarily always true, but it certainly has been remarkably uncannily true when it comes to Bitcoin. That, of course, is programmatically programmatically by design. You know, Bitcoin's issuance schedule basically functions around that four-year cycle. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily four years, but it works out to about four years because it's, it's not based on time, but it's based on a certain number of blocks. And we're coming up on that next halving in less than a year now. Uh, And uh, until, you know, all the Bitcoin, all 21 million Bitcoin are issued every approximately four years, there's going to be that halving cycle. At some point in time, you know, maybe the minor reward will be so small that uh, the supply shock that the halving induces uh, will be negligible. But in the meantime, uh, you know, there's perfectly good reason why Bitcoin has been following those four-year cycles. And if it continues to do so, at least in the short term, we should expect to mostly go sideways for the remainder of, you know, 2000, uh, as I say, as I say, 20, 2019 for the remainder of 2023, which is functionally the equivalent of what we did in, you know, in uh, 2019, you know, there was a run up or two, you know, Bitcoin wasn't completely flat, but if you zoom out uh, in general, it was a sideways year. Which was good because the other thing about the four-year cycle is that if that's true, the bottom should already be in uh, for the most part as well. So 
This is the accumulation phase, and that's a good thing if you're a stacker like me because it gives you the opportunity to buy before the next hype cycle, before the new normies that haven't gotten into Bitcoin yet or haven't even heard about Bitcoin for some strange reason. If they're living under a rock somewhere before they start getting in, before the speculators get back in, before more companies start putting Bitcoin on their balance sheet, and before that price gets driven up to a point where us plebs can't stack that many sats anymore. All right, where was I? Bitcoin is was ringing in around $29,055 at US, uh, US dollars per Bitcoin. And that put Bitcoin at a market capitalization of $562.6 billion, also pretty much exactly where it's been for the last month or so. Uh, we were, what, $560 billion last month, so or last Wednesday, so uh, pretty much exactly where we were, uh, which makes sense because the price has been relatively flat. As I just mentioned, we are getting closer to the next halving, TikTok next block, Bitcoin's next halving will occur uh, on or around April 22nd now. Uh, that has been getting pushed back a little bit. For the longest time, we saw it march steadily forward to where it was eventually going to be looking like it was going to be on April 20th because blocks were coming in faster than that 10 minutes that Bitcoin is programmed to aim for. However, uh, last week, it had all of a sudden reversed that trend and it was looking like it was going to be uh, occurring on April 21st. And now it's looking like the halving will occur on April 22nd. We won't really know until the day it happens. You know, even if Bitcoin comes in consistently for the remainder of the year, it could be that last day, those last 10, 15 blocks just come flying in and maybe, you know, it occurs a day sooner than expected. Or maybe we get one of those two and a half hour block times and it occurs a day later. I mean, there's just no way to know until it happens, but it will happen at block 840,000 regardless. Uh, so that's coming faster than you might think. I mean, we're less than a year now and that's really exciting. And when it does, historically, that is marked the beginning of the next bull run. You know, the price doesn't take off on having day. In fact, the last halving was in 2020, and we didn't we didn't even make it back to the old all-time high until December 20th. Uh, so that was you know six or seven months later, and uh, then we didn't set the first really big new all-time high until April of 2021, and then the all-time high in November 2021. So realistically, you know we should be below $69,000 when the halving occurs. Uh, sometime possibly April 22nd of next spring. But you never know. I don't have a crystal ball. This time could be different. They have literally said this time is different every halving that I've been around to pay attention to. That's just human nature. But um, if this time isn't different, uh, you have some time to stack. But don't get complacent. Stack what you can when you can. Not financial advice. But if you're DCAing like, DCAing like us, you already are doing that. We're being nice and consistent. We're about ready to add to that stack again. Before we do so, I will. I need to keep going through these vital statistics. If you value your wealth in shiny yellow rocks, it will currently cost you 14.4 ounces of gold to purchase just one Bitcoin, almost exactly the same as last week. And that's with you know gold going on a on a so gold going on a tear, right? I say a tear almost euphemistically because, you know, gold is up. It did set, I believe it either said it got really close to a new all-time high. And, you know, of course, the gold bugs are all celebrating. We'll get into more of that later. But um, when you look at it in terms of Bitcoin, uh, it's basically all it did in the last week was hold its own against Bitcoin, something it will not do 
when Bitcoin goes on a face-melting bull run again. So, um, But for those of you who do value your wealth in shiny mellow rocks or believe in diversification, uh, it will cost you 14.4 ounces uh, of gold per one Bitcoin, or one Bitcoin will buy you 14.4 ounces of gold, depending on how you look at it. For those of you who value your wealth in pizza, one Bitcoin will currently purchase you 1,721 Papa John's pizzas, still almost five years worth of pizza, one large pepperoni pizza from Papa John's a day for just under five years for just one Bitcoin. That is a heck of a lot of pizza. Uh, and, you know, good luck purchasing pizza with your gold coins because uh, you can purchase pizza through what Lightning Pizza or there's multiple ways to purchase Bitcoin using or purchase pizza using your Bitcoin. But I have yet to hear of any pizza chains running a pizza for gold special. And uh, even if they did, I don't want to walk in and order a thousand pizzas or uh, expect them to, or I certainly don't want dirty fiat in change back for my, you know, $2,000 worth of gold or whatever you end up bringing in to purchase one pizza. All right. Another important statistic is just how busy the on-chain activity is. Uh, Bitcoin's mempool is actually slightly less clogged than it was last week. There are 39 blocks with the transactions currently pending in the mempool. Last week, that was 47 blocks, so that is down a little bit. However, the, uh, the, the, the number of transactions included in that, I believe, is actually significantly up. And there's a couple of new things going on that I've heard about. In addition to ordinals and inscriptions, there's something called stamps, I think it's called now, that are uh, basically taking advantage of what was activated when we added Taproot to the Bitcoin Core protocol. Uh, and people are minting S-coins, altcoins on... Uh, they're, well, they're not really minting altcoins on the Bitcoin blockchain. They're basically including little snippets of code uh, as like an ordinal or an inscription on the blockchain that would say, hey, we're issuing X number of coins and then uh, trying to scam people into buying those as you know Bitcoin-based altcoins. Uh, and that's just noise and it's a fad that will probably go away. But in the meantime, it's helping clog up the blockchain with 39 blocks worth of transactions waiting to clear. And, um, and that has driven up costs to guarantee that your transaction is included in the next block. That's up significantly. That's probably the big news, even though the total number of transactions pending are down from last week. The the uh, the fee to guarantee your transaction is in the next block has gone through the roof. Last week, uh, thirty a fee of thirty six sats per byte would pretty much guarantee that you were included in the next block. Right now, that fee is estimated to be a hundred and thirty seven sats per byte. I don't think we've seen anything near that since 2017 or 2018. Uh, certainly not since segregated witness uh, or maybe since then. But the last time the network was that insane, it was under attack. The B-cashers the, were spamming the network with worthless empty transactions just to try and make it look like their, you know, their big blocks were the way to go, you know, part of the big block war. Uh, and currently... Uh, I don't know whether this is just, I, would, I wouldn't call this necessarily attack, an attack on Bitcoin, certainly not an orchestrated one. It's just people taking advantage of a new tool that was enabled by, by Taproot. And as a lot of people have already said, um, you know, if, if they turn out to be useful, then maybe it was a good idea. If they don't, they'll go away. You know, um, by the time we're looking at the next 
the next Bitcoin bull run. Uh, you know, scammers and pump and dumps don't stick around for a long period of time. You know, they're, they're short-term cons. And the whole pump and dump, and then they don't pump and dump forever. They pump and dump and go away. So that noise will probably go away. But in the meantime, it's going to cost you up to 137 sats per byte to guarantee you're in the next, in the next block. And if you want to guarantee your transactions included within 24 hours, it's estimating it's even going to cost you a fee of 7 sats per byte. And a one sat per byte transaction, it says, will possibly clear within a week. Fortunately, we have replaced by fee where you can, you know, send a transaction with a very low fee, probably not one sat per byte, but maybe seven sats per byte or something in that area. And then if the transaction doesn't get included in a block within your time frame, within the time frame that you feel comfortable with, then you can increase that fee. So if you're going to do an on-chain transaction and you're not familiar with replace by fee and you don't want to spend more money than you should, uh, you might want to research replace by fee or use a wallet that will walk you through that. And along those lines, the transaction metric, the, the, the statistic that you know I like to follow perhaps the most, Bitcoin's on-chain 24-hour transaction rate is absolutely screaming at an, a, an unprecedented 5.85 transactions per second. I don't think I have ever seen it that high. You know, they say Bitcoin's supposed to be able to handle four transactions per second. We've seen it go as high as four and a half transactions per second when the ordinals and inscriptions things first came out. But right, I've never seen it above five. Right now it's averaging 5.85 transactions per second. And that's of course because those ordinals and transcriptions, um, ordinals and inscriptions and stamp transactions are very, very small. So, you know, they, uh, they, they take up a lot less space on a block. And you can include more of them, even though they're clogging up the uh, mempools as we speak. All right, so since we last spoke, no, we have not had a difficulty adjustment. We're getting really close to a difficulty adjustment, my bad. Uh, we are just a couple hours away, potentially, from a next the next mining difficulty adjustment. And that's probably a good thing, because it looks like they overshot when we increased the diff mining difficulty by, I think it was uh, was a, about 2%. The last difficulty adjustment, the one before that, I think was 7.5%, like 7.6%. Uh, and that apparently was an overshoot because blocks are coming in slower than they should right now. Uh, nonetheless, we're 81 blocks from the next mining and difficulty adjustment. So that should occur in less than a day. Uh, probably not tonight, but probably sometime tomorrow on May the 4th. Uh, May the 4th be with you, that geek holiday that some of us like to celebrate. So, hey, there's something tech appropriate that's happening on May the 4th. That'll be our next difficulty adjustment. And that's looking like it's going to be a decrease in mining difficulty anywhere from between 1.17 to 1.4%. So basically giving up the last giving up the previous difficulty increase, going back to where it was just two weeks ago. That is because blocks are currently averaging 10 minutes and seven seconds between blocks, pretty close to the 10 minute average and not as slow as uh, last week when it was 10 minutes and 30 seconds per block, but still slower than the 10 minutes per block that Bitcoin is programmed to aim for. So it's gonna get a little bit easier uh, to mine the next Bitcoin block in about 81 or in 81 blocks in about 12 or 13 hours from now. Real quick, thank you to those of you listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app, such as the Fountain app. 
Uh, we don't have any boosts to read since the last episode, which was yesterday. Uh, yesterday, we read a boost from Leggy a little late. Uh, I'm going to read it again this episode just because uh, Leggy is a regular who usually listens to the show on Thursday mornings, so they might not have heard me read their boost. Uh, so just in case, I'm going to read it again. Plus, it's a cool boost. It had a little bit of information that I wasn't familiar with, so I learned something from Leggy yesterday. And that boost, he sent, uh, Leggy sent 9,500 sats and said the people in, this was, this answered a question when I was talking about our geographic breakdown where our listeners were coming from. And one of the places with a lot of listeners apparently is Luxembourg. And I knew they spoke German and I think French in Luxembourg. I didn't know they had their own language. Uh, or if I did, I didn't remember that I knew that. Apparently they do. And so Leggy writes, the people in Luxembourg speak not only French and German, but also have their own language called Luxembourgish. To greet, they say Morian, which parentheses he says mean, they say means uh, morning. Uh, so they say Morian all day, even though it means morning. It is pronounced something like more hyphen yen. So M-O-R-E hyphen Y-E-N, more yen. So Morian. So Morian to those of you in Luxembourg, and I have a little bit of information about that to go over in a minute. Uh, for example, our geographic distribution of listeners has remained almost exactly the same for months. Uh, we had a little bit of a mix-up a couple weeks ago, and then it, it seemed to solidify again today. But we have a small change again today. When I say small, I mean basically 1%, but a big change uh, in some ways. And that is a new country has joined the top 10. Uh, so to go over the top 10 breakdown of geographic, uh, geographic distribution of listeners, number one still remains the United States, where 51% of you are listening from. Number two remains Argentina, and that's still 13%. 13% of you are listening from Argentina. So uh, muchas gracias, buenas noches in Argentina. 7% of you are listening from Germany. So danke schön, danke für alles, buenas, 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 buenas Nacht, guten noches. Guten Nacht, mein Freunds in Deutschland. 4% uh, of you are listening from Luxembourg, and that is actually a change because Luxembourg has been consistently number four, but it had only been 3% of my listeners, consistently 3%, and now it's 4%. So there's another listener possibly out there. Uh, there must be another listener listening from Luxembourg. So uh, Morian, if you're newly listening to us from Luxembourg, Morian to you in Luxembourg if you've aren't new. Thank you for listening. 3% of you are listening from Colombia, and that is, of course, the same. Um, so, muchas gracias. Number six remains Sweden, with 2% of you listening from Sweden. And this is the one I'm going to have to apologize on again, because I don't know how to say thank you or hello in Swedish. Number seven is the same, and it remains 2% of you are listening from Canada. Likewise, number eight remains the same with 2% of you listening from Spain. Number nine remains the same with 2% of you listening from Venezuela. So to those of you in Spain and Venezuela, again, muchas gracias, buenas noches. Here's the big change. Number 10 is no longer the United Kingdom at 1%. Number 10 is now Australia with 2% of our listeners listening to us in Australia. So good day, mates in Australia. That is the first time I've seen you pop up on our top 10. So that's really cool. Um, you know, I like the, our listeners in the United Kingdom as well. But fear not, they didn't go anywhere because last week 
1% of you are listening from the United Kingdom, and today 1% of you are still listening from the United Kingdom. Uh, it's just that the Australian audience either grew or, or uh, popped onto the scene, and you're now in the top 10, Australia. So thank you and congratulations to those of you in Australia. So a real quick look at the news. Of course, as I mentioned in the last episode, the big, big news was that the bank collapses were not over yet with First Republic officially collapsing and being taken over by the FDIC and then sold to J.P. Morgan. And by sold to J.P. Morgan, basically they didn't sell it to J.P. Morgan because if you buy something, like let's say you buy a house or you buy a car, you know, if you buy a house, they don't say you can have the house, but you don't have to have the leaky roof. You know, we'll just keep the roof. When J.P. Morgan bought First Republic, they didn't buy the the uh, they didn't buy the liabilities. The the shocks got the stocks got wiped out, and they basically just took over the bank accounts. Uh, and the FDIC is going to basically pay for a large percent of the bad loans, the debt that were occurred by J.P. Morgan, quote unquote, buying First Republic. So, you know, yeah, it's a good deal for the people who have bank accounts at First Republic that aren't going to lose their money. But it's also a sweetheart deal for J.P. Morgan. They are now even larger, even bigger, even too, even too much bigger, too bigger, too bigger, even bigger, still too big to fail, and even more so now, which is a travesty in itself. There should be no banks that are too big to fail because if you're too big to fail, if you're so big, the government can't let you collapse, regardless of what happens. I mean, what if they're going to start? They're going to start sacrificing, you know, children in the in the street in front of the headquarters, and and the government can't do anything about it. I mean, maybe they can arrest some bankers, but they can't put J.P. Morgan out of business because that would just have too big of an effect on the economy, the world economy. So, and I'm I'm being facetious. I don't I don't think they could get away with actually murdering people, but uh, you get my point. It's really really horrible to have a company that's so big that we have to give them taxpayer dollars and keep them alive regardless of how bad their business decisions may or may not be. And of course, as soon as First Republic was taken over, uh, both the White House and Jamie Dimon came out to say, this is it. It's, it was all over. There's nothing left to see here. The banking system is sound. All remaining banks are doing great. There is no more reason to worry about the banking system. And of course, anytime a government official says, that you have absolutely nothing to worry about. That means there is trouble. You know, people don't usually come out and say, everybody remain calm. There's nothing to fear here if there's not a problem. When you're at the beach on holiday, the lifeguards don't come out and say, everybody in the water, we just want you to know there are no sharks. Nobody needs to panic. There are no sharks in the water. You know, they, they, they only start warning you when there's a problem, right? Everybody come out of the water just in case, although there's no sharks, nothing to worry about. Uh, and along those lines, it's looking like the next bank to fail, or at least the rumors are that the next bank to fail might just be PacWest. With its stock plunging more than 50% today, uh, this has kind of been breaking news today, but there's the headlines out there, for example, on Fox Business are another bank failure, question mark. PacWest reportedly seeks buyers after stock drop. Well, doesn't that sound familiar, right? Hey, we're not in trouble, but we're just going to try and sell our sell our, our bank. We need someone to, to buy us and take over our bad debts for us. You know, isn't that kind of what happened with Silicon Valley Bank? They, you know, they tried to raise money to cover their, they tried to, they tried to do a, a, a stock sale to cover their losses. And it's like, everything will be fine. We just need to find some idiot to buy our stock. And of course that nobody did. And that created the panic that led to the bank run. Uh, so that just sounds like deja vu, right? Uh, we're fine. We just need someone to buy us out. 
Uh, Forbes has another similar headline with another bank on the brink. PacWest stock crashes 58% as, as it reportedly weighs sales. So never fear, guys. This is exactly what Bitcoin was created for, you know. The very first Bitcoin block ever mined by Satoshi Nakamoto, the Genesis block, has the, you know, the Times headline in it that Chancellor on brink of second bailout. So, you know, that was the inspiration for why we have Bitcoin in the first place. This is what Bitcoin is for. It's kind of like saying I'm really, I'm really bummed that I have all these hurricane supplies, you know, in my house because there's a hurricane coming. And boy, was that silly. It's like, no, you're, you should be glad. You know, yeah, you might be worried about the hurricane, but that is your insurance policy. You know, boy, am I, boy, am I, boy, am I, uh, well, you, you get the point. This is what Bitcoin is for. And, and so in, you know, an economic crisis, we've seen, and we spoke about this on many occasions, that when people are panicked, people are worried, they sell everything. Even though it might be the cash which is collapsing, people rush into cash because, you know, Cash in your hand is cash in your hand. Cash in your bank account might just be gone in the morning. So people sell everything and Bitcoin may possibly go down if another you know bank or two collapses, although it handled the First Republic collapse pretty well. So maybe people are getting the point. Eventually though, a weakened dollar, a collapsing dollar, an inflating dollar and a collapsing banking system should drive people into Bitcoin because that's what Bitcoin is for. Bitcoin is that alternative. Bitcoin can't collapse. Bitcoin can't get taken over by the FDIC. Bitcoin will always be there. Uh, and so, and it's, it's, it's also been the best investment ever known to man, but you know, that's a side point. So eventually this is good for Bitcoin. I know that's a silly thing to say. It's not silly thing to say, but it's silly that people say it all the time to the point that it's almost cliche, but this is what Bitcoin was created for. This was the inspiration for Bitcoin. Uh, and if that does depress the price of Bitcoin temporarily, then I'm going to be excited because I'm going to buy more sats. Once again, we spoke about 30,000 being a magic number for Bitcoin. You know, we did that all the way back on the February 22nd show. And as I mentioned earlier that, you know, if you were watching the prices on a minute by minute basis, there was a little bit of price drama this weekend, uh, you know, right around that First Republic, the First Republic bank collapse, but it was short lived because Bitcoin is back to exactly where it had been. So hopefully, you know, Bitcoin is, uh, people are realizing that, people are starting to realize that Bitcoin is a safe haven, I think. Also the big news today, the Fed, the US Federal Reserve did exactly what they said they were gonna do again and raised rates again by the quarter point they said they would raise it. And just like everyone expected, they signaled that this will probably be their last you know, interest rate increase. And now they'll take a wait and see attitude and see what happens, whether they, you know, whether the their goals are being met, whether inflation's coming down, whether it looks like the economy's cooling, which means, uh, well, it means exactly wh what happened is exactly what everybody expected to happen. However, as a result, once again, stocks dumped because I don't know why, because everyone saw this coming. If people always say this is priced in, right? So this should have been priced in because they did exactly what they said they would do. Nonetheless, the S&P 500 was down almost a percent. The Dow was down 0.8%. The NASDAQ was down a half percent. But Bitcoin was up 1.74% so far for the day. Um, whatever happened to the so-called correlation? Remember, people said the only reason that we had a bull run last time 
There were the people saying that the only reason Bitcoin was on a boom was because the stock market was booming and it was just a correlation with risk assets. People were dumping money into stocks because of, you know, because uh, because of uh, the uh, the stimulus checks and the same reason the stock market was booming. Uh, but we've seen that correlation break down multiple times. And certainly there was no correlation today because they went in opposite directions. You know, markets didn't tank 0.7%, 0.8% isn't a, isn't a, you know, it's not a market crash size drop, but it is the polar opposite of a 1.74% increase, which for a traditional investment is a decent return these days. As a daily return, it's a fantastic return, but there's investments that would be lucky to pay 1.74% on an annual basis. Again, this isn't a stock show and it's not a gold show. But speaking of gold, Adam Meister had a, uh, had a show, a, a pretty long show with uh, Pubby and Anders on his YouTube channel the other day, getting ready for the Bitcoin 2020 conference in Miami. I guess Adam's already down there uh, a month in advance because he's been you know touring the country, spending a month at a time in different cities and Airbnbs. And he had a great quote. He was talking about why gold bugs hate Bitcoin so much, why they're so grumpy. And his point was, and I think I've mentioned this before, is that gold bugs... And they've basically been right. Gold bugs have been talking about fiat being a bad idea since we went off the gold standard. They've been talking about a fiat collapse and a return to the gold standard my entire life. And they've been, they're at the point now where they're finally being proven right. Uh, and in comes the new kid, right? You know, they've been screaming, the, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And right when they're finally proven right, the new, the new Jack steps in, the, the red hot, the red hot rookie comes in to save the day and steals their thunder. And that's kind of what Bitcoin did. So you can understand why, uh, why they might be disgruntled. It really should be flattering, though, because Bitcoin is called electronic gold for a reason. You know, Bitcoiners and gold bugs have a lot in common. And a lot of Bitcoiners were gold bugs or still are gold bugs. You know, they see the value in gold as, a, you know, as sound money or have had seen the value in gold as sound money, but now see that Bitcoin has all those properties and improves upon them. But for people that, uh, for some people, they're just, they, they, they can't embrace Bitcoin because they're so invested in gold. To them, this is actually a slap in the face that they were right, but they're missing their chance. It was stolen from them. It's like, you know, they were about ready to win the Super Bowl. They throw a touchdown, but there's a bad call on the play. The touchdown's overturned. And even though the, the call that was, you know, there was a, a, a fake, a BS holding call or something, and they, the, the, so they, they, the touchdown doesn't count and they lose the Super Bowl when they really should have won it. That kind of anger, I think, is responsible for a lot of the reason why gold bugs hate Bitcoin. Some of it, like with Peter Schiff, are probably just because he's a gold salesman. And that would be a lot like expecting, you know, a used car salesman to say, you know what, uh, whatever this new thing is, is better than all the cars on my car lot. Don't buy from me, you know, go buy, go buy a Tesla, go buy a horse, go buy a jet pack or go buy, you know, the Jetsons flying car or whatever, because, you know, it's better. No, they're going to say, come on my lot. This is the real reason you want to buy. This is solid. This is a solid car here. It's already had its depreciation. We've already worked out all the bugs. This is, this is a sound car right here. You know, that's, it's just, it's just the way it is, you know, whether it's disingenuous or flat out, um, scammy, I would say, and yeah, it's actually kind of scammy because uh, they're trying to convince you to do the wrong thing or to, or to do a not to take a not as good deal at bare minimum. But nonetheless, Adam Meister had a fantastic quote where he said, "Bitcoin is living gold's dream," 
And uh, that is the best way to sum that up in just five words that I've ever seen. So if you don't follow Adam Meister, he's at TechBalt on Twitter, as in tech, like tech, like technology, and Balt like Baltimore, because he's originally from Baltimore. So at TechBalt on Twitter, give him a follow. As he says, pound that like button, because he's got some gems out there. And he is definitely a unique beast. So uh, listen to Adam Meister. Read, follow him on Twitter. You know, listen to what he has to say, because when other people are you know, giving a mainstream take or, or acting like normies, Adam Meister is always there with a consistent, you know, level-headed, sometimes contrarian to the, to the mainstream opinion, and uh, he's never been proven wrong. So if nothing else, he's entertaining. So give him a follow, give him a listen. All right, so speaking of gold, one last thing I'm going to say about gold is that, yeah, gold might be setting a new all-time high, but seriously, if instead of, instead of taking victory laps like Peter Schiff, Schiff and the Gold Bugs, let's look at it this way. If you had invested 100 US dollars in, into gold five years ago, with those gigantic returns, it would be worth $153.57. On that same day, May 3rd, 2018, uh, gold started lower, but it's, it, it ended the day at 9,769 US dollars. So if you had purchased $100, 100 US dollars with a Bitcoin at the highest purchase price five years ago, it would have bought you 1,023,646 sats which is 0.01023646 Bitcoin. And that Bitcoin is currently worth a US dollar value of $297.42. So you can do the math. While Peter Schiff is doing victory laps and saying that Bitcoin is dead and gold has proven that it's the winner, your $100 could be either worth $153 or worth $297. So his 53% gain over five years versus almost a 300% gain in the exact same amount of time uh, should tell you all you need to know about the difference between gold and Bitcoin. All right, some good news. Bitcoin Magazine tweeted out three, uh, three days ago now, Bitcoin plebs are buying more than the entire mining subsidy every month. That is a pretty amazing statistic because most of the Bitcoin that's available to for sale on exchanges uh, is from miners selling. Miners are a you know miners are a business, so most of them have to sell Bitcoin to pay the bills, right? If you were mining Bitcoin in your garage or your office, you know you, you're probably hoarding your Bitcoin. You're putting it in your hardware wallet and tucking it away like every other pleb. You know you're just stacking. You're DCAing, but you're DCAing with electricity instead of U.S. dollars. What happens when that subsidy that's currently being purchased in in its entirety by, by plebs alone stacking is cut in half in less than a year? Because that's what the mining, the, the halving is. The halving that's coming up about May 21st or May 22nd of next year, less than a year from now, I'm sorry, April 21st or 22nd next year, less than one year from now, means that that mining subsidy will be cut exactly in half. So if you have a, let's look at this from a supply and demand standpoint. If the plebs are buying, let's say, let's just, let's just say for uh, a, the sake of argument that there's 100 uh, new Bitcoin 
every day as a mining subsidy just to keep it a nice even round number and plebs are buying 100 bitcoin a day they're buying all of it and then the having comes in boom that is now 50 bitcoin a day but there's still shoppers out there there's still plebs purchasing 100 bitcoin a day maybe not even able to they're trying to purchase 100 100 a day what happens well what happened in the 1980s when the beanie baby or the 1990s and the Beanie Baby craze happened, or the 80s when the Cabbage Patch doll craze happened. These stupid little dolls were going for thousands of dollars. You know, instead of a $15 doll, people were people literally were, were beating each other up to get the last, you know, the last Cabbage Patch doll in the mall. They made a silly movie about it starring uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's called, like, Jingle All the Way, and instead of the Cabbage Patch doll, it's the Turbo Man doll. People were going nuts. It's supply and demand. You know, if... Uh, well, look, look at just a couple of years ago when that thing happened and there, you went to the store and there was no toilet paper and there was no san- hand sanitizer and a 95 th- cent thing hand sanitizer was going for $200 on Amazon or eBay. Um, that's supply and demand. And usually supply and demand has these little tiny adjustments where things get a little bit more expensive or they get a little bit cheaper. Even with the inflation we've got going on right now, let's say you buy the official numbers that we have around 6% inflation. All right, so a $100 product is now worth $106. That's a relatively small adjustment. It sucks if you're on a fixed budget. You know, it's bad for the economy. It's bad for people, but it's not, it's not dramatic as opposed to um, what would happen if you know, the amount of water Americans needed to drink got suddenly cut in half tomorrow, you know, and people were fighting for fighting for water, you know, what would happen to the price of water. So think about it, because um, that's what, in my opinion, is responsible for the and most people that I know's opinion that is responsible for the, the you know, the, the euphoria and the, the huge exponential pump, the bull run after every having or eight, you know, six to 18 months after every having. So that's pretty cool. And it's also really cool that all that Bitcoin is being snapped up by plebs because people keep wanting, you know, they want the big businesses. They want, you know, institutional investment. They want a, they want a central bank or a country to start snapping up Bitcoin and just, you know, to go to Bitcoin standard like, you know, like like El Salvador, for example, but a larger country. And yeah, that, I, I expect that to happen one day and it would be neat when that happens. And I think it will happen. But I want you to get as much Bitcoin as you can possibly get before that happens. Because, yeah, when that does happen, the price of Bitcoin will go to the moon. That when we see hyper-Bitcoinization, million-dollar Bitcoin, $10 million Bitcoin, there was that billion-dollar Bitcoin forecast that I saw you know, not too long ago. I think it was even like Vanguard or Fidelity or somebody that came up with a, over a billion-dollar Bitcoin forecast. Not tomorrow, not in 10 years, but in like 2040 or something like that. Don't quote me exactly because... This isn't something I prepared for when I was doing my show notes. I'm just pulling this out of my memory, the deepest, darkest recesses of the cobwebs of my mind. Uh, but you get my point that when this happens, when we see a hyper Bitcoinization, when we see central banks uh, using Bitcoin or, or using Bitcoin like gold, you know, stack stockpiling Bitcoin in their reserves, when we see more than just micro strategy and you know Tesla uh, holding Bitcoin, when it's common, when not even 50% of businesses, but when a significant portion of businesses, let's say 10% of large businesses have Bitcoin on their balance sheet, there isn't enough to go around. And so Bitcoin will get really expensive and you and I won't be able to stack affordably anymore. So that is why I'm excited that hopefully we have an accumulation period that might last as long as another year. Hopefully it does because I want to grow our stack. 
And uh, one last bit of news before we do that. And that this, is, this isn't good news, it isn't bad news. I think this is hysterical news. The World Economic Forum recently put out a report called the Future of Jobs Report 2023. And basically what that report says is that by 2027, the world will have 14 million fewer jobs than they have right now. You know, the population isn't going to decrease. There's going to be more people. So that's actually going to be a bigger impact than just 14 million jobs. But even if everything stayed the same as it is right now, 14 million of you will not have jobs by 2027. And actually, that's going to be worse because there's going to be more people competing for it. But just on its face value, let's say 14 million of you are not going to have jobs by 2027. That is horrific. That is a big deal. And uh, hopefully you are well stocked of Bitcoin before that happens. But here's the funny part. Their report lists the five roles they said were projected to have the most displacement, the five roles that are going to be hurt the most, the five jobs that are going to go away. That if you have one of these jobs, you're gonna you're most likely at risk of losing them. Number one, bank tellers and related clerks. And I'm sure, I'm sure they don't mean that that Bitcoin is gonna put the banks out of business. I'm sure that they they don't think Bitcoin will be playing any role in this whatsoever. But you know what? They're right. Bank tellers are an endangered species, and it's not for the reason they think it is. Uh, so I, I'm just, I'm, I'm almost laughing. I'm, I'm, I'm chuckling thinking about it, right? So they, they, they think, you know, AI is going to replace bank tellers or, and whatnot. But uh, that was just amusing. Uh, they say postal, postal ca- clerks, cashiers, ticket clerks, data entry clerks, and then administrative and executive secretaries are, are next. That's the, the five jobs they say are going to gonna be most impacted by the 14 million people who will be losing their jobs in the uh, next four years. But that's amusing. It's probably the only thing the World Economic Forum is going to be right about, other than the fact that, you know, people will be losing their jobs. Uh, But that's because they want us to lose our jobs. Remember, that's the reason Jerome Powell announced an interest rate increase today. He's trying to increase unemployment. We have too many jobs. There are the employment outlook is too good. The unemployment number is not high enough. He he wants to put people out of business, banks and businesses out of business and people out of jobs because that's how he wants to get inflation under control. Uh, so the World Economic Forum, the bankers, they're all the same, and uh, they they are not they're not upset about this 14 million job loss. And uh, even if it is only 14 million, remember that's going to be a worse a worse statistic than it sounds like because that's a net 14 based on where we are today, not based on you know that's not adjusted for population numbers of where we'll be in four years with you know with the, the world population booming. That is enough of my opinion and my espousing for the time being. Let's get to why we're really here, and that is because today is DCA Wednesday, and DCA is short for dollar cost averaging, which is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals regardless of price. For example, this will be our 93rd stack. We started stacking every Wednesday on July 28th, 2021, so coming up on two years, in that time, we've stacked 92 times, uh, so our, our regular interval is weekly, and we chose Wednesdays for that day, and our equal portion is $20, and we chose $20 for a number of reasons. I'm sure you're familiar with this by now that I wanted to prove that uh, it is both not too late to get into Bitcoin and that even if you are just a pleb, a, you're the, the, the lowliest pleb on the totem pole, and you can only come up with $20 a week, you know, even if it's, it just means you're quitting cigarettes or something, or you're gonna you're gonna stop off for one less beer 
on your way home from work, if you can just scrounge, anyone who can scrounge up $20 a week can put together a meaningful stack of Satoshis. A hypothesis I think we've already proven true because in those 92 weeks, we have stacked, we've turned 1,840 US dollars into Bitcoin uh, and that netted us a stack of 6,376,319 Satoshis currently worth $18,048.93. So uh, not a, a tremendous profit, but we started stacking in the middle of the bull run. You know, we purchased all the way up. We bought, we didn't buy at the, at the exact high, but we bought pretty darn close. And then we stacked all the way down. But in general, our average purchase price uh, when you average it all out, our average cost basis is $28,856.77, which is less than Bitcoin's currently worth and a heck of a lot less than I think Bitcoin will be worth by the time we get to the halving in a year and certainly dramatically cheaper than what Bitcoin will be when we set that new all-time high. All right, so to do the stack, as usual, we're going to use the Cash App. I use the Cash App because I think it's the easiest way for Americans to stack sats. If Cash App is not available where you're at or you just don't like it, you know, do your research. You do you. Pick an exchange or an app that you feel comfortable with. Please pick a name brand exchange, though. Every day on Reddit, you see someone say, hey, I just heard about, you know, Peekaboo Sats or, or Koala Stack or some. I'm making these names up, but uh, some new exchange or some new wallet that I've never heard of. And like, is it safe? And well, I don't know. Probably not, though. If nobody's heard of it, the chances of it being legit are pretty slim. Uh, and if it's a, even if it's a big name exchange, you know, it's, it's, you never know. FTX was the biggest exchange in the world at one time. Right. And it was a, it was, its names were on sports stadiums and it sponsored the Super Bowl or it had a Super Bowl commercial and even it wasn't safe. So definitely don't use a fly by night exchange and get those Satoshis off the exchange as soon as practical and into your own custody and do that according to your plan, but just make sure you do. All right, so I've got Cash App open, um, tapping buy, entering $20, clicking confirm, and boom, just like that, we purchased another 67,277 sats, and that has increased our stash to 6,443,596 Satoshis, and that is not too shabby for just $20 a week. You know, that's not a tenth of a Bitcoin yet, but, um, you know, it's what, 0 0.0644 Bitcoin, but that's, you know, what it will our, our, our previous, I didn't, I didn't calculate what the current, what the current value of that is at the, the price at this exact minute, but let's just go back to that $18,048.93 figure. Try telling someone in lots of places in the world that, that having a, an extra $1,848 in your life savings is not a big deal. And when Bitcoin goes to the moon, you know, if Bitcoin hits, you know, $1 million one day, you know, try telling them that that, you know, 180,000 or whatever that would be is, uh, is, uh, is not, is not a big deal. Right. So not 180,000. I just did, I just did horrible math. Let me get back to my calculator here. I just got a little bit distracted, but either way you get my point, um, that, um, you know, it would be somewhere in the name of, uh, in the neighborhood of $64,000, uh, which is a, a ton of money considering that we've, we've squirreled away $20 a week to do so. 
Before I go, I want to, you know, thank all of you for supporting us and listening to us again. You can help us out in a number of ways, and you don't have to send us stats. You don't have to tip us to do so. One of the ways you can do so is by reviewing us wherever you're listening to your podcast. A five-star review would be outstanding. You know, if you're, if you're following us on Twitter, that will help more people find out about us because the way the algorithms work, the more engagement we get on Twitter, the more likely other people are to see it. So please, if you're not already, follow us on Twitter. On Twitter, I am at BTC Bulletin Pod. Uh, we have a YouTube channel out there that I'm trying to get rolling, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sold yet on, on whether or not I like it. Uh, this is primarily an audio podcast. I think the majority of my listeners are listening uh, on audio. Personally, when I listen to podcasts, I listen on audio only. There's one or two podcasts I watch that are video that I watch on YouTube. And uh, it's just harder because you either have to set your phone down and walk away or you have to hold your phone and watch the video. Uh, and that can be cool, but if I'm busy during the day, uh, I don't want my YouTube app open on my phone for an hour. So, But I don't know. I don't know how you feel. So that would be something I'd be interested in finding out. So follow me on Twitter at BTC Bulletin Pod and give me a DM and let me know what you think about this podcast. Anything you like that I'm doing, anything you don't like that I'm doing, any improvements you'd like me to make, or whether you watch video or just listen to audio. That's probably one of the most important pieces of advice you can give me right now. Besides just telling me how to say hello in Swedish, that might be nice as well. Uh, if you feel so inclined, tipping is enabled on Twitter. Uh, you can also support us directly through the support link in the show notes. But the easiest way to do so is do like Leggy does and listen to us on the Fountain app or your favorite podcasting 2.0 app where you can stream us sats in the value for value model or send us a boost. That way you can let us know what you think about the show while supporting the podcast. Uh, but either way, please follow us on Twitter so that we can keep in touch and so you can let us know, let me know what you think. Again, that's at BTC Bulletin Pod. If you don't have Twitter and you prefer to reach out via email, my email is bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com, bitcoinbulletin like the show at protonmail.com. But in, other than that, do not forget to join us next Wednesday and every Wednesday for our DCA Wednesday episodes while we continue to grow that stack together, continue to uh, accumulate as many sats as we can before that hyper-Bitcoinization or at least that next bull run makes them unaffordable. Until that time, keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers. <laughs>